0: Hello and welcome to the Indexical Podcast. This is John Myers.
1: And this is Madison Hying. Today we have something of a special podcast for you. For this episode, John and I took a walk in the Santa Cruz Mountains with composer-performer Laura Steenburge, and we recorded the conversation we had along the way. So just a heads up, you may hear the sound of us walking, animals, and also the sounds of conversations of passersby.
0: Throughout our walk, we discussed Laura's artistic and pedagogical practices, her views on navigating formal systems, ways in which contexts are explored in experimental music and the inclusion of popular forms in her own work. We also spoke about the ways we extract simple patterns from large and complex inputs.
1: Throughout this episode, we will also play recordings of several of Laura's compositions. And additionally, we wanted to thank one of Indexical's interns, Jake Foley, for help with editing this podcast.
0: If you would like to join us on our walk, pause now and resume listening once you arrive at latitude 36 degrees, 59 minutes and 4 seconds. Longitude 422 degrees, 2 minutes and 49 seconds. Thanks for listening. So... (laughs) <laughs> I know I guess we should probably do a real interview. So what are you uh what are you working on? Laura? Anything uh, anything been going through your mind while you've been up here in Santa Cruz the last how long? A week or so? Yeah, I've been here about well I'm
2: two weeks now, yeah. Um Well, John, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> um, I just finished a lot of stuff, and so I made a radio show when I was up here, um, and that was that was the first time doing that. Um, what prompted you making a radio show? I got invited to make a radio show. This is just the first. Date. um who invited you it's a internet station called NTS mm-hmm. that it's based in the UK but they have an LA branch now mm-hmm. so it's nice to have time to make that would you do for your radio show the the show is called the imaginary music radio hour (laughs) and the first episode was about the music of the spheres Mm -hmm. and also about music that relates to circles Um, so I think each episode is going to have some kind of mythology and some Mm -hmm. kind of I don't know shape or like some sort of geometry that kind of goes with the mythology. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just trying to think about like my summer listening. My summer listening is just gonna be like researching some different themes with that. I look mm-hmm. forward to that. I feel like I haven't been listening to as much music as I want because things got really, you know, things get busy with the semester. Mm-hmm. And summertime's nice now, it's like there's time for new ideas to come out and mm-hmm. time to think about nothing.
0: <laughs> I like that idea of summer listening. Yeah. Like, uh, it feels like kind of middle school. Yeah. <laughs> if we had had that, those kinds of assignments in high school, mm-hmm. what? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How often are you going to do a radio show episode? Just once a month. Oh, just one hour a month. Yeah. So
1: that's pretty manageable. Yeah. And what are you thinking about for the next one?
2: I was thinking about this yesterday. I think the next one is going to be called Sirens and Lines. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I think the sirens are interesting mm-hmm. and they have this connection to the music of the spheres. Yeah, I was
1: going to say they're also kind of circles. And connection to the music of
2: the spheres, Yeah, they're, like, kind of... They literally sing the music of the spheres Mm -hmm. in this... In the myth of Ur, which is this Plato um, image, like, story at the end of the Republic. Oh, you're talking about, like, lady sirens.
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, firetruck sirens.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, (gasps) see, that's funny. There's that, too. And I'm not sure if that kind of siren is going to be a part of this but i feel like it should at least be referenced mm-hmm. but what i've been thinking about is music that like like the sirens mythologically they were um, like they're deadly you mm-hmm. know like it, like what what music could compel you like coerce you mm-hmm. like once you start hearing it it's like you're doomed <laughs> <laughs> and like the pied piper is kind of like this mm-hmm. but, but then so i've been, yeah. just been thinking like, well, what What does real music do that's kind of like that?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I was thinking about lullabies. Oh. And, like, music that's, like, meant to put you to sleep is kind of, I don't know. There's something kind of coer- coercive about that yeah. that makes you sort of, like, lose agency and, like, mm-hmm. lose consciousness. It's, I don't know, it's kind of like the sirens. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too. how like the sirens, sort of, or things
1: like that, sort of historically represent, like, or they like embody s- a certain anxiety, in a way of like, why are sirens usually feminine and like the anxieties that come with that for like a certain culture? I don't
2: know. Yeah, you know, I found a bunch of places where they show up, and mm-hmm. they always show up at the boundaries of life and death. Right. And so I think they have something to do with fate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then, yeah, what they are is kind of a mystery, right? Because mm-hmm. they used to be half bird, half women, but then mm-hmm. somehow they got kind of transformed into like mermaids. Yeah. At some point, I'm not really sure when or why that happened. Yeah.
1: Maybe it's like the myth migrated more to like ocean places. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, and we're entering the forest,
0: but that—that's kind of an interesting uh, issue because isn't that—that's sort of an ideal uh, for music to be so compelling that it'll draw you in and you'll never get bored or you'll, you know, never want to shut it off or leave the concert. But that's—I mean—it is sort of for music to be that way. it Must I mean, what does that mean? It's, it must be sort, sort of coercive in some kind of way, here. Or...
2: Yeah, and I don't think it's... Yeah, whatever it's an exaggeration of is something real. And, and I actually think that uh, it's... Well, well, maybe this is a question more than a thought, but I, I wonder if, if it's different, like, since we study music, Do do, you know, do do we perceive and parse this information differently? Um, or what are the different modes of listening? Mm -hmm. Because music for a lot of people, like, does have this intense impact, right? There's like the kind of obsessions that people can have with a certain song, or just with like finding music, or when you find a piece of music that just really works for you, it feel like you know, what's that feeling? It's like this feeling of like that the that the world makes sense or that you fit into the world or you know there's something that's just so needed and right about that. But what's that power that it has?
0: Well you kinda get subsumed into it. Or a listener, I mean, I, I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but something about uh, being <clears throat> feel, you know, that, that that the whatever kind of sensation that music, the music is bringing you, it's sort of erasing you, <laughs> sort of erasing yourself, or your, I mean, I I know that I feel connected to something sometimes, in a way where whatever is going on. With me doesn't really matter and it's just this thi- there's this connection to this thing that's happening
2: mm. yeah like there's all this stuff about entrainment right and like that you could sort of be coerced into feeling like dancing like just <laughs> if the beat is like of a certain tempo and if it's loud enough you could you could have the thought of like i really don't want to be grooving with this right now but I have no choice like I've been you know just I am being like pulsed by this do you think this
1: like the power that sound and music has in sort of like mythology or in the middle ages is that like partly why you're so attracted to these
2: kinds of stories and themes or is it something else I think that there's a kind of sensation that I get when I just imagine mu- music. like there's the physical component of listening to music, which it involves, you know, like your your eardrum being vibrated and all of that sound going into your mind. But then there's that other part where we hear what we expect to hear, or we parse the sound and get information from it based on some sort of pattern recognition we already have. And um, so I guess I'm interested in how music can communicate ideas. And sometimes there's, there's a story that needs to be attached to the music and it changes how you hear it.
3: Gold Dishes Sips
1: Like lime mines and lime kilns here. Whoa. Like you can still see sort of where the rock was
2: picked away at. Yeah. It's so big. But yeah, like this spot, you know, <laughs> this makes everything seem important. There are fewer standing in the middle of that, Mm -hmm. it would just make, it would just change how you seem. But if I say like, um, this is the music of Orpheus, the greatest musician who ever lived. Like, how does that change your hearing? Cause you know that it's not the real music, right? You know, it's like a, a person like representing that. But, like, you know, it, like, the, all the context around it, like, it would change, you know, it changes the way it's perceived.
0: Yeah, I mean, just like, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just go and walk directly to the center of this thing. I mean, it would feel, you kind of ha- You You could, but it would be a
2: violation of some kind, right? You're
0: probably going to walk this path to get to the center, and that's going to inform how important it seems. So, I mean, when you tell me that Orpheus was the greatest musician who ever lived, I don't know. I'm going to, I'll probably believe it. Or, like,
2: what (laughs) if, if, what if you're supposed to, like, play some music when you get in the center? Mm -hmm. Would you just play whatever? or would you, you think would you think more about what you know you're going to do if you knew that you had to walk this ceremonial spiral in order to get to the performance space well and it's interesting how different spaces or configurations like suggest different kinds of questions maybe yeah yeah just imagine imagine madison you just like walked all the way through there and then you mm-hmm. get there And you're like, Dinah, won't you blow, Dinah, won't you blow, Dinah, won't you blow your horn.
1: Although I think it says a lot about me that I would just walk straight through.
2: (laughs) Oh, you would walk just straight through. But what would you do when you got there? I don't know. I feel like you could own that. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a way that that could be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I would be, I'd still like engage in the space, but maybe in a different way than walking around, walking through the
2: path. Yeah. Do you think that rock makes a good sound if you hit it with some kind of object? Definitely. And it's just begging to be sat or stood on. Oh yeah. In my opinion.
1: Would you stand on it? Definitely.
2: Oh, and then maybe you'd proclaim something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lisa, Beebe and I were talking this week about how today would be a really good day to just yell, FUCK EVERYTHING! <laughs> from the rooftops because we were both really frustrated.
4: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: But maybe this would be a rock to exclaim something a little bit more positive on.
4: Rock everything!
0: Yes. <laughs> um this, this kind of, I don't know if, if it's a joke or just this, this kind of idea you just expressed about doing taking a kind of serious, uh, or maybe it's not serious, but taking a kind of ritual sort of situation of walking this path and then singing, uh, Dina, Dinah, Dinah, won't you blow? When you get to the center, is that kind of a, uh, it reminds me of something that I, I heard in one of your, your pieces uh, that's available uh, on which which. Uh, Process goes on for a while, and then you kind of sit at the piano and start a...
2: oh yeah, and play Mac the knife. Mac
0: the knife, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, we can talk about the context of that piece, but like, is how do you think about that kind of referencing or uh, <laughs> you know, is that kind of signing in the middle of or at the end of the
2: yeah, the larger thing? The, the form of that piece. Um, it's sort of a, like a, a myth contained inside another concept for a piece. So that originally, like like 10 years before I did that piece, I just had this image of playing Mac the knife on the piano, and then the song gets cut off because a giant sack of flour falls from the ceiling onto the stage. <laughs> and so it got turned into that, and, and then intermingled with the Perseus mythology, but the... Um, the, the the knife you know sort of um, the reference to a knife like that whole piece is about like referencing symbols of a story but in a non non linearly and so um, and the guy won with 50. so it was like allowed in there. And I think almost almost everything I do ends with a song at the end, and I just can't seem to do anything. I, I'm I'm <laughs> content with that. It's okay. Just end with a song, you know. It's mm-hmm. like a I'm like an old vaudevillian.
1: <laughs> what well, makes me think that like maybe in subtle ways there are like. Well, I have two questions, and one is serious, and one's not. Like that, there's like a bit bits of absurdity in some of these pieces like maybe because there are bits of absurdity in mythology also and in life and putting all these things together
2: yeah um Hmm. but maybe that's you know that's that's like the the question at the eye of the storm you know or Mm -hmm. that's what i'm Hmm. It has something to do with language. Um, I think that stories are, um, are like emerge from, um, what am I trying to say? Stories just emerge from some order of operations, right? Like, if you just, um, like we have these like meaning seeking brains and we find the stories whether they're there to be found or not. Like um, we're finding patterns in the noise. And so if you suggest suggest at all that a story might be happening, people will start to look for it and find it. Mm But it's also nice to remember that we do that because we like to, and we can sort of unravel it too. But I think it's important to take the story seriously, Mm -hmm. but then it's also good to find that moment where the story can withstand its own undoing. (laughs)
1: And I think one thing that I personally really like about how you include a lot of songs in your pieces is that I think, and you kind of maybe alluded to it before, and I don't necessarily think this is the reason why you do it or part of it, but for me, I like it because I think like you were saying earlier, you know, we are sort of trained musicians and a lot of the audience for your music is probably like trained musicians and composers um, who have like even if they're like the least pretentious person ever, probably have some ideas about like some distinction between like composed music and like popular songs and these sort of uh, in outwardly enforced sort of genre distinctions. But you sort of like brought up the point, well, that like people that don't have this training might experience music in like a different way or something, which isn't necessarily better or worse, but that bringing these songs in sort of like forces these two things to meet, in a way.
3: Hmm.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it's like for anybody else to... Mm-hmm. I have no idea what other people are experiencing <laughs> when they hear music. Like, I don't know what people say. I don't know what weird is for people, I don't know <laughs> what normal is. And, you know, the word keeps changing, but the word that people use these days is experimental, and mm-hmm. I don't know what people mean when they say that, and I don't know markers they pick up when they hear Mm -hmm. it um but i like to think that um it i like to think that it can be that a piece can be constructed for multiple audiences or there can Mm -hmm. be different ways in Mm So I think I like the stories, When if there's some sort of story to look for, then um, I think a lot of times people, it's not that they have a problem with the sounds, Uh um, it's that like who aren't like used to hearing, well I don't know, don't go to like art music concerts all Uh the time. It's not that the sounds are hard, it's just I think it's hard for people to know why those sounds are happening, Uh when and for how long and in what sequence. Because there's just no formal conventions that um, adhere from, like, you know, to multiple pieces. Like the,
3: mm-hmm.
2: this, these sayings about how the piece has to teach the listener how to listen to it that, you know, apply with this kind of music. And so if the... I feel like language can help shape that. Mm-hmm. But then the language has to become subject to manipulation too Mm because otherwise the music is just the music isn't there just to tell a story it's not there to do what the language said it was going to (laughs) do it can like interact with it and then if people are kind of have something to think about if they think they know what's going on then I can thwart their expectations (laughs) and then we're kind of all participating Mm -hmm. together but I also feel like with um, like, academic music, you know, like, gosh, gosh, have I loved my time in school doing that, you know, I've, I don't really have any um, harsh things to say about the whole world of mm-hmm. academic music, but, but you just start to notice these patterns that are like, you can do Anything except you should never like have a melody that (laughs) registers as being like you know a well-crafted melody or like you can do anything except have a five-one cadence or um, and and it's not even always that I specifically want to use them. I just like can't think of a reason why they're not allowed in as available material, Mm -hmm. but then I also. I don't know, I just really like songs, I just really <laughs> like folk yeah. songs, and um, and and when I used to play lots of songs with people, mm-hmm. I found that people who, like, you know, that what is considered out there with, like, harmony or something can be, like, pretty narrow, there's this mm-hmm. weird gap. There's, like, all of this super cool stuff in the middle, and everybody's (laughs) doing it from every genre, but there's no, like, way to pinpoint, like, that huge pool of mixing and matching and experimenting Mm -hmm. that people do with every genre of music that makes stuff sound cool. (laughs) Right.
0: So you were talking about, um, you know, this idea of the... then maybe the a uh, piece has to sort of, or might, uh, let me start the sentence over. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about this idea that a, a piece might kind of teach the audience how to listen to it. I'm wondering if you think, if that has something to do with, with or what that has to do with the idiom, and, you know, do, uh, these kind of art music pieces as each being in their own kind of idiom, or, you know, as, as songs as a way of kind of, you know, because it's not like the first time you hear giant steps or whatever, it sounds good. I mean, if it has all this context around it, that you know, yeah, it takes a while to build.
2: Yeah, and that that thing that built, it wasn't just hearing giant steps over and over again, right? It was like hearing a whole bunch of other things, and then you could place that piece. Um, in some kind of continuum or cloud of other music and you could have an opinion about, like it's not just itself, you could say, oh, that's really out there. And so if you, if you say that, then you're not just talking about the piece of music, you're talking about that piece of music compared to other pieces of music. It's, it's pushing in some direction.
0: Um and so, and so what do you think happens when you kind of including a song into some larger form or you know referencing some idiom <laughs> or multiple idioms kind of jump the stream uh, <laughs> you just come across the stream
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think that I I've been I think about form a lot um I don't know. Some some people build music like through tiny bits that they you know construct and stitch together. And to me, this is like can sound very sculptural. And I, f- I feel like I look at really simple shapes. Um and where the communication can happen is at the transitions. Like, how, like why get from this material to that? Hmm. And I think that maybe, I'm trying this thought out for the first time, but maybe part of where that's coming from is that the, um, certain, like that the experimental, tradition that now is taught in schools that a lot of times one piece is one material just mm-hmm. one texture it, you know it there's some kind of aleatoric elements to it but um, so how do you so how do, how do you start to um, you know re, like reinvent how do I invent my own musical practice that's not that thing, Mm -hmm. but that's some sort of synthesis or um, some work created out of all of the stuff that's been put in my brain. And um, really simple song forms like A and B or ABA (laughs) or the feeling of this has been a buildup to a chorus or some. these are really simple things that happen in songs but they're just one step more complex form-wise than like a you know a text score Mm -hmm. that unfolds one texture over time and so finding that reason why those two things can belong together a lot of times when it gets to the actual writing of the music
0: just found uh, Guadalupe Serna's debit card. Should mail
1: it to them. Yeah. Or cut it up for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it about like really simple
2: things that you like? Um, I think it's I think it's the way my brain works. Uh, my my brain can be it can be really calm or it can be really agitated mm-hmm. and um like every other human being that l- ever lived ever um but um he's already a millionaire and then now I can't get to that calm, simple place immediately. Like, I have to reduce everything down to it. So I have to, like, just collect tons and tons and tons of information. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of overwhelming. But then that sort of sits in my brain. And then my brain is like this sieve. And I don't know what it does, <laughs> but it, it, I just have to feed it. And then it does this thing. <laughs> and it finds these patterns. Mm-hmm. And it's just on some level, it, it doesn't really matter if those patterns are real or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in, like, you know, these words like apophenia, like, that are about to, su- the tendency to find patterns in mm-hmm. random data. Um, that, that that's, we're doing that all the time, but mm-hmm. I still, it's also r- uh, really interesting to try to peg um, an, patterns to reality as much as possible Mm -hmm. because because we're musicians because we're artists and because the thing we do doesn't have to be real Mm -hmm. so to to try to do it um when I know that the end result is just never going to be as real as um some other kind of labor you know I'm not gonna like compose like a a better flush toilet or (laughs) like some like better a more efficient solar paneling or something the work doesn't lead to usefulness but but the more the more i like prod it and poke it and research it and boil it down then it it works it's right when it's in its simplest form and all of that stuff is just somehow packed in there like it's it it Mm -hmm. is in there but it just takes like so much work to zoom out to the point where like I can see the gestalt and then there's like the, you know, that's where the relief comes, finding that place. So it's not
1: necessarily the just the simple thing, it's like, Seeing how the simple thing is like distilled from the like larger order and larger patterns.
2: Yeah, and that's yeah. like with storytelling too. That um, how do you describe some really complex thing yeah. with a very you know 100 words or less, right. and you just can't get it right. Like that, but there's also like there is to some extent a a game you can play with your word choice that can <laughs> like nudge things a little bit closer or a little bit further. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the way that 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 very simplified form of communication, like how you get it as right as possible, Mm -hmm. that's like just a metaphor for everything about communication with people because anytime we're a specialist in a field, then we're telling stories to everybody else about what we're doing because, you know, people just can't spend like that 20 years, that 30 years of whatever you did that allows you to see that thing that's so obvious
1: to you. Because it takes, you have to understand something really, really well to be able to explain it simply in a way that someone that doesn't have that same understanding will understand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you thinking of, like, in storytelling, like like a phrase, like, once upon a time, and the kind of work that that does to kind of, uh, you know, not only to set the scene but like uh... reference every other time yeah you know every other time that's heard so that how to kind of maximize <laughs> your idea or, or are, you, are you thinking about how to kind of condense your idea into like the the kind of most common referent or
2: um, i think that yeah there's different right there's what kind of story are we talking about um, So I think that, um, like, I read Science Daily. It's, like, one of my favorite websites. And, you know, science journalism is tricky because you have to communicate some often pretty complicated information for a general audience. And the person who's writing about it, they're not a specialist in every field that they write about, right? They just have to, like, do the best that they can and find these, like, this compromise to like best describe what they can in a way that they think that other people will understand kind of (laughs) what's going on. That's storytelling, right? You just can't, you just can't really do it any other way. Um, But then, like, what I think is really interesting about what you asked is a phrase like, once upon a time, gosh, that's so that's such a good thing. It's so, it's, it's so boring because it's just so common. But isn't that remarkable? That, that that phrase is just so common to us that as soon as we hear it, our brains go like, like now I am in listening to a story mode. We're just totally controlled by things like that. And that's form, right? Like, how many times were, if, if somebody had said something like, once upon a time, or, um, or if they just warned you, like, this is going to be sad, but I want to tell it to you anyways. Or all, whatever kinds of prefacing mm-hmm. that people do, um, so that you can, he- so that your expectations can allow you to hear what you're hearing. If we if we don't know that there's a once upon a time at the beginning of something, people will be like, "That's ridiculous! You're a big liar! Like he was not bigger than a house. That's not possible."
1: <laughs> so I'm curious then, like, how these same sort of principles and things that we're talking about like come into play with maybe a piece like the chant etudes where like you're not actually using words. You don't do you use words in that piece? No, there's okay. no
2: words, yeah. Yeah, um that kind of there's a kind of storytelling in that that's partly for other people but partly for me. <laughs> um I just think that so many of the really great musicians that i know they are really focused on the sound you know on timbre and on relationships tones and certain kinds of rhythmic patterns and things mm-hmm. and uh and i don't think like that it's all it's all led by language for me and so I have a really hard time knowing what I want things to sound like. I just know what they're supposed to sound like if it satisfies a certain, feel like solves a certain problem or fits with a certain plan. Um, and so for a piece like the chant etudes that doesn't have words, having this this goal of, there's some kind of goal of discovery for that, Mm -hmm. of like what is possible with a, like when the options are really stripped down when there's really minimal means, Mm -hmm. like you know, these instruments are objects from the hardware store or like really simple, or I do really simple actions Mm -hmm. with them and, or they're instruments, I don't know how to play very well and I just sort of have to find the sound, Mm -hmm. but then... The sound that I want to find—that's—it um, has to satisfy some kind of emotional need that I have, and it has to be something that can be like repetitive, and that will force me to be in a certain uh, state of mind when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I started making them. But um, I think that part of the story of communicating that piece to people is simply that they know that that's happening Mm -hmm. so that when when I'm doing it then I just feel like I'm actually sharing that experience Um, I started developing them like after my fourth year of grad school and it just felt kind Mm -hmm. of emotionally pretty sick Mm -hmm. and so I just found that playing um, like really repetitive sounds mm-hmm. over and over again, just sort of hypnotized me and made mm-hmm. me feel feel better.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What happened that made you like get into a place of being emotionally sick? Was it just all the stress of being in grad school and balancing everything and being creative on the spot and all that stuff? Yeah, I
2: think too it's uh, it's hard to whatever like whatever the learning process is, mm-hmm. I I really believe in suspending my disbelief and like really sinking into mm-hmm. the and really like turning myself inside out. And um, and so when you're all turned inside out, it's sort of hard to do things uh, the normal way. Mm-hmm. Everything feels wrong, everything feels harder, mm-hmm. doesn't come out right. Like now that I'm done with school, man, I can, it's like I can <laughs> write music again, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like lots of people say that, but, um, um, but I'm really, I think it's important you know I think that I also believe that it's real you know Mm -hmm. that I I know I was saying before that it's not like making better solar paneling but I mean I totally believe that what we do is real Mm -hmm. and um that that kind of intense scrutiny and work and over exhilarated research that can Like, you know, to pack it in, Mm -hmm. like, just, you know, stuff it in when there's that time. But you just can't do that forever. At some point, Mm -hmm. you just have to, um, you know, go back into the regular world again. So after four years of school, yeah, like, looking towards, like, my last dissertation year, Mm -hmm. that's was, like, a really good time to be, like, I'm, like over over the hump and, like, looking towards the future of, like, why did I do this? <laughs> what, is, what is the music that I felt like I was, like, meant to make? Or mm-hmm. how do I go about finding that? So those pieces were the beginning of, like, this journey of, mm-hmm. like, now it is time for me to find the music that I really, you know, want to make and not that I could make. Or um, when I was in school, I just tried to write for so many situations that made me really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I just felt like that was one of the best things I ever did but like god you can't just write like bad music (laughs) like that makes you uncomfortable forever you know like
1: that's really a safe space or maybe not a safe space but that's really a space where you can do that and be challenged in that way but it is really taxing too
2: yeah yeah, that's what education should be. Education mm-hmm. says this isn't fully real. You can mess <laughs> it up and it's going to be okay. So like, it, you know, you might as well mess up a lot then <laughs> cuz the stakes are lower. Yeah. But it yeah, it's it's exhausting to like mess up constantly yeah. and like to, like feel not, you know, spend all this time working on something and then it like not feel great. <laughs> Right, just. and just feeling uncomfortable through the
1: whole process. Yeah. 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 that sums up my experience with cancer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's so worth it, right. you know? It's like, if you can withstand that mm-hmm. um, in these, like, bursts, then it's just, okay. oh, you have, like, so much more to gain, you know? It just mm-hmm. makes you st- strong. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mean it, that to sound, like, too dark. It's no, not like it's, it's not like trauma. Positive. It's like, it's just, yeah, like, push yourself, Ultimate you know? It's risk. good.
1: Yeah. And now you're teaching at CalArts. Arts. How has your experience, like being fresh out of grad school, shaped that? Like, what kinds of classes are you teaching, and why are you teaching those classes?
2: Oh yeah, um, gosh, I really like teaching there. Mm-hmm. The students are really super cool. Um, they have so many good ideas, and they're like bursting with <laughs> creativity. And they, they like sort of don't know it fully like how extraordinary it is that they can just like make things all the time like that um so yeah i'm just making sense of that now i mean this last semester was pretty crazy for me too just learning how to um do these things for the first time Mm -hmm. but um
1: Right, the process of learning how to teach sometimes doesn't feel that different from some of those
2: situations you described. <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. Like, every week I'd get through one class and then just have to start. i like,
3: what is that? Oh, my gosh. that's gone. It's our little
2: Albert Einstein <laughs> Um. Yeah, having to, like, scramble every week um, to have the materials, that was... Um, so now that I did that one semester, I have, like, a better idea of how I can kind of more efficiently prepare for classes, mm-hmm. but also it's, it's so ecstatic just mm-hmm. to be, like, plunging into information for whatever reason. I do really like it. It just sort of, like, <laughs> fries my brain a little yeah. bit. Like, I just can't, you know, it's just, it just takes a lot of energy to think all the time. Yeah. And, and it's also really exhilarating to be
1: on that other side and to really think about <sighs> facilitating the learning process in someone else and like ways of doing that it will be maybe effective isn't the right word but totally
2: exciting for the students too totally yeah there's like t- t- a couple of like the big thoughts that I've been thinking about for as general guidelines mm-hmm. for classes is one, in terms of the like, concept development, mm-hmm. I feel like one of the hardest things for each of us to see is all of the things that already make us who we are,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that they're so clear and obvious to other people. And so, I, in one class this semester, the students just made like a one-minute thing every week, built around a theme. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of theme each week. But I just really loved seeing what they came up with mm-hmm. Because one minute is enough time to, like, share an idea. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the stakes aren't so high in that way. But then also when you see, uh, like, 12 people's responses to the same prompt, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just immediately so clear how unique each person's way into that topic is. And so I felt like the students could see each other as Mm -hmm. artists, like, very, like, clearly Mm -hmm. over the course of the time.
1: Could you see little, like, waves and trickles of, like
2: them influencing each other too. I th- yeah, there was like sort of three lines um in the class um that came up. So they would like re- you know, they yeah. would deliberately reference each other's yeah, pieces right. from time to time.
1: Yeah. like when they thought, "Oh, that was a really creative way to think about that." Them like bouncing off each other's atheism in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Should we turn around or should we keep going?
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Um I think it gets pretty bikey oh, okay. up ahead which might be a little hard, scary.
2: Okay. But, uh... We should turn. Around. Yeah, let's turn around. yeah there's that and then the other thing i've been trying to think about in different ways is this sentence experimentation happens at the boundaries of knowledge and um like the department i'm in is called experimental sound practices so what does it mean to experiment with sound and like i think it kind of implies something that um like you know hasn't been fully tried out before or that the results might be a little unpredictable or um but so how do you get to that place in the first place Mm -hmm. of like how do you how do you know what you don't know or that you know about (laughs) it enough that you can like like know how to get there but not know what to do once you're there and there's all these different boundaries and like with music now, you know, we used to talk about like major thirds and stuff, and you now <laughs> people more and more talk about ratios or, you know, a major third doesn't sound the same if it's below the, you know, if it's like way down or like below 200 hertz or something. Then, <laughs> mm-hmm. like this, you know, the vocabulary that we had in the past doesn't quite fit all the ways that we're able to think about and work with sound mm-hmm. now and... So there's sort of these, like, technological (laughs) changes. Mm -hmm. But then all this mythological stuff... We've had, like, the same mythological themes since, like, the beginning of writing. Mm -hmm. People have been telling stories for a lot longer than that. So I I think that's part of what the... where the mythology stuff comes in, too, is that there's these frontiers or these boundaries that are, like, newness and discovery. Mm -hmm. But there's these other ones, like metaphysical or the idea of the other side or whatever that are always themes that artists and musicians return to mm-hmm. and are constantly drawing on traditions of the past and reinventing them. Um, you know, even as like the material changes, the, these are, it's like this turtles all the way down thing that we're, we're just <laughs> always using this the same stuff over and over again and so This kind of time, this collapse of time, of like when is time moving forward into the future and when is it sort of static or glacial, I think it's our different ways of finding different kinds of boundaries that can be experimented with.
1: This is something David and I have been talking about a lot too. Yeah? In different ways, because we are both like teaching also like Students then like the context is like sort of generally experimental music and so we're like What should that look like in the classroom? Like what especially for me as a musicologist and a historian? so it's like What role should history play in those? Situations and then for David as a composer who's trying to teach more practice based classes for students. It's like well, how? should you teach students experimental music like should you focus on the? Should it be like maybe how a composition lecture or like lessons have been throughout time where it's like, and now you learn how to write a sonata and now you write a fugue, where now it's like, and now you write a text based score and now you do an aleatoric piece yeah. and now you do 12 tone? Like, should it be like that? Or should it be like helping students like to craft interesting questions, like using new means, using new technology, but then like you're saying, sort of like, Not to the exclusion of things that aren't new,
3: you know? Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's a really interesting... They're interesting questions that I don't think we really, like, have a solid answer to
2: yet. Yeah. I noticed, like, with this student, something that sticks out with me is... I keep, like, thinking to myself or saying out loud sometimes, like... You can, you can do that. You can do whatever you want, because like, and this is going to sound crass, but I don't mean it crassly, but like, you know, because the world doesn't care. (laughs) And if you can just write up a proposal and if you can form a budget that looks sort of sensible, people will just fund your thing and, and they'll just, you know, like they're, they're not going to read it and be like, this is, this piece is like, 85% brilliant and virtuous, but we wish it were just slightly more brilliant. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows what we do. And so if if we can just get to a place where we see the infinity in something and we want to, like, keep... If you could just keep working at it, then, like, do do that <laughs> thing. And, like, you can find a way, you know, to, like, make it happen if you're willing to really put that work into make that particular thing fit in the world or there was like one student who was had this like very interesting way of of improvising with some instruments but then he wanted to write it for other people to do it and and then it starts looking like a regular score you know and it's like Mm -hmm. why don't you just tell like why don't you write in the score that you're not allowed to rehearse this piece (laughs) you know it's it's like
0: it's sound like me (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, or these days, can you like give someone just a recording and be like, "It should sound kind of like this." <laughs> do, you, do we have to write it out in words right. still? You know, or like, what are the conventions that ought to be done the way they were done, mm-hmm. or like, what about that is sort of like, you know, it's sort. Of, what if that is kind of like, qwerty, you know, keys on a computer, you know, that. We just get these remnants from the past of the way the old technology worked and Mm -hmm. are they still just kind of lurking around in our compositions or when should they stay, Mm -hmm. when should they go? It's hard to know when you're learning.
1: Yeah.
4: King Midas gave his daughter to the swans. And she was happy singing if they didn't sing along. For all of her days she cries. Terror, terror in her father's eyes. For love of the one real peach. She's holding in her hands. The queen of hearts must always get her way. But even when she gets it, she can never be contented. For all of her days, she cries. Terror, terror is her paradise, under the watchful eye of a raven on a telephone line.
0: The other thing that I uh, I was wondering, you you were talking a while ago about that, you know, that question and of, uh, you know, what is the, what is you know, I've been kind of trying to write music in all these kind of different situations that I'm not necessarily comfortable with. What is the thing that I'm actually trying or wanting mm-hmm. to do? And I wonder, that seems pretty tied into the, you know, idea of experimental music. But then if you're going to be someone who's teaching in that world, what is it? I mean, it seems like you're going to have to keep asking that question and then you know is is the goal of the teaching to kind of just make sure that people are always asking that question for themselves or like you know is there any way to be an expert or to answer that question and then you know how do you you know the teacher is supposed to be the one who knows how to do something you know it's like is the thing to do just asking that question or really getting into that question somehow Or have you, maybe you found the answer. Maybe I'm totally barking up the wrong tree.
2: Yeah, it's a, I guess the question is like, what can you, It. what can you glean from, not only the question, but the reason why it was asked. Um, You know, questions all sound so reasonable and neutral once they get spoken, but it kind of takes a lot of work to put that thought into words in the first place. And not everybody's gonna form the same questions. But once any of us hears that question, then we all like understand it to some extent, you know. Mm-hmm. So it can seem like we're all sharing that question together. But if one student asks a, a question. Snake. There's a snake. Yeah, a little one. Oh. So cute.
0: Yeah, for the listener out there, this thing is long and skinny it's, and it's kind of like a giant worm Oh,
4: it's so <laughs> cute He's
0: coming straight
1: at me hi i'm gonna move because i'm afraid of snakes Ew. it really just looks like a giant worm
2: yeah
1: i wouldn't i bet it's like a baby gardener snake it definitely looks like a baby
2: oh, catch the ant I think a lot of this stuff sorts itself out too with, like, different people's personalities. You know, like, I think that one of the things about learning is just learning what actions you don't mind doing over and over again like, I almost became a, a, you know, cognitive science, like, language researcher, but then I realized I just couldn't do, I just couldn't repeat a research study over and over again yeah. every day, like, that that kind of repetition was, like, not good for people like me, and so it wasn't that, the like, the content, it wasn't the content, it was just the the action that's needed, right, and and some people, like, man, you know, there's, like, like audiophile people that just like col- like collect the most like amazing collections of music or the way like p- you know people who do archive work or something like i have such admiration for that cuz like my brain isn't organized like that mm-hmm. and it's so clear to me that that somebody else almost like can't but help you know to work in that way and so like with something like experimental music you know are people like should people be learning the tradition and history of this should people be honoring it by constantly innovating in a way that's like completely undermines the past Mm -hmm. like both of those like answers are yes you know but but like one person, like one, like, what, like one person's mind will do one of those things more gracefully than than the other because right. they just simply like love whatever like repetitive work is you know um, required for that. Mm-hmm. The, whatever energy stores we have to apply to things are so nuanced, and I guess this brings up the point that
1: in school, like it's pretty unusual for someone to just have one teacher. So as a teacher, too, you can think about it that way, that you don't have to offer the students everything.
2: Yeah. I think it's really nice to like run up against the boundaries where you can say, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you must be the change you want to see in the world, young child. Go find that out and tell me. No, but seriously, it was really liberating for me when I realized
1: that that's like a good move and like that that's something that you should do as a teacher or like can do is like you don't have to know everything and it's okay to tell your students when you don't know something or or sort of the limits of that knowledge like what you do know about something and maybe how you would find out more about it
2: yeah you know something that we know how to do is how to like research yeah like like that that takes a lot of work to understand mm-hmm. truly how thorough one's research can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about this the other night yeah. Madison with like <laughs> the extent to which you can just research the history of a single word, one word. and just yeah. the centuries and centuries mm-hmm. of discourse that go mm-hmm. into just like one little word that you want to <laughs> use, you know, and all the all the justification that might have to mm-hmm. surround that and mm-hmm. to have have that awareness of how deep that can go and to have like reached have to have have, like held your breath and tried to swim (laughs) as deep as you can into that that that's a really that's the experience you can Mm -hmm. like pass on to people more than the individual like things you learned from that experience yeah
0: I don't know how. Uh, I don't know if you had this experience that I had when I kind of first started trying to write music, um, of just having really a ton of ideas and very quick, and finding it very easy to to make new things. And then as I found out more and more about you know 20th century music or whatever, any kind of music. Uh, I, you know, there were like a crushing number of years where I would just realize, like, oh, you know, James Tenney already did that. And, oh, this is kind of, you know, that's... Who, you know, whoever whoever has already done this idea and probably, you know, more successfully than you... And, and it's like almost the more I find out, the less I'm, you know, <laughs> the more constricted it seems like the ideas are, at least if you're, you know... Uh, and, and I'm getting more and more comfortable with... You know, everything doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, you know. I wonder if you ever had that experience of kind of feeling like doors were closing, the more you found out about history um, yeah,
2: I, I, I appreciate what you're saying i I feel that way about um, a lot of writing with words. Mm-hmm. Um, like f- when I first started writing music, you used to write songs and they would just i would just like feel a song coming on and then i would just like an hour later out of the song i just could it was almost like a pressure in my brain that would build up <laughs> and and that doesn't really um happen on its own anymore you know like this is this is what we have to learn that we have to actually establish a practice and the reason is that the inspiration like won't just to always be there. Right. That, that, so like, how do you, how do you continue to create, um, like what, what work can you do to find those things that used to just present themselves? Mm-hmm. And, um, but for me, I think composing is really, really hard. And, um, you know, I had like, studied it for years before I started to actually write any music that started to seem like I had my own voice Mm -hmm. and and I think that's why I do it is because it's just really really difficult Um, and so it just seems like it's worth spending a lot of time on because like maybe I'll you know maybe in 20 years I'll like I'll still have something to explore with it or in 40 years you know I can see like the future in that way Mm -hmm. and so when it comes to like what people have have done I I think you know it it would probably be really hard to like write the same piece that somebody else did but it could like reference you could say oh well I'm not going to like make a big deal out of performing this piece because it it offers so much of the same knowledge or information as this, you know, other piece. But doesn't it also kind of like pr- like prove like for every time somebody else like reinvents the same idea. Like I I like this idea that it they, they sort of reinforce each other. Mm-hmm. And like when I play piano I'll just say, if I sit sit down and improvise, just everything I play sounds terrible. You know, it's so (laughs) cheesy and stupid. And it's like I have these demon hands that are just going to play, like, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, whatever, whatever doesn't feel good when it's coming out. And, and, and if I try to say to myself, like, well, just, you know, stop playing that. Like, just, you know. (laughs) Don't just don't play like that. It's not possible, right? It's just like. So I just sort of tell myself like oh, I have to like exhaust my hands. Like I just have to keep playing until they've stopped playing all of the the bad stuff. Or just play long enough until statistically like something that not terrible starts to happen. And I kind of feel like like if you're like yeah, I, I, I feel like we should feel good about like re like rewriting someone else's piece if that's the piece you know like in your head,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like write it and like m- like get on with it, and and uh, rather than like not write it you know, mm-hmm. or like Im- imitating people. Maybe this comes back to like something you're saying, Madison too, mm-hmm. like. Like, um, maybe it's really good for everybody to write a string quartet (laughs) where you have glissandos that (laughs) coincide at certain, like, harmonic patterns at Mm -hmm. some point, you know? Sure. And it's not like you're going to be, like, writing all the music for the future, but you're still going to, like, have to research a whole lot about the materials and the harmony and, um maybe there's like other directions that could have been taken before or you know maybe maybe things splinter off in a bunch of different directions mm-hmm. i don't know i'm kind of rambling what are your thoughts on all this john
0: oh, i mean i'm <laughs> uh i definitely um very much um on, i think on good days i asked that question well what is the thing I really am interested in or what is the thing I really want to do and on bad days I'm like well why why would I even want to ask that question you know and it's sort of I'm kind of uh, impressed with people who have been doing it for a long time and kind of you know I feel like it takes stamina or something to kind of keep you know, maybe you're not having revolutionary ideas, but to just have any ideas at all, or to to have something to kind of keep you going, I think is really, I I don't really know how people do it. (laughs) Um, I know when I've, you know, been in school and kind of been around other people who are doing, or writing music or working on working on their instrument or whatever it is um, I know I feel this kind of I don't know if rivalry is the right word <laughs> but this sort of like wow they' you know these people are all doing things i I should be doing something too and when I've kind of been outside of that world and more on my own you know things have slowed slowed down a bit so I wonder what'll happen I don't know if I ever finish out <laughs> being in school or being around other you know Seeing people every day who are kind of working on things, you know, how to kind of keep that up. But I, I am kind of, in, you know, uh, actually, uh, I've always been sort of inspired by this thing that Avon Lucier says about, um, you know, from the time he was like 22, I think, till 35, he says he was someone who was supposed to be a composer but just didn't have any ideas <laughs> and he just you know called himself a composer and he felt like he 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 just didn't have any ideas for like 15 years and then you know he's had plenty of ideas yeah since then it's mm-hmm. just like sometimes you know it takes a while to kind of figure out figure something out
1: that not everyone has to take the same path too
0: mm-hmm.
1: that for Alvin to say he didn't really start composing until he was 35 which yeah. is like really encouraging i think because I think now we're so sort of like locked into certain kinds of timelines of like you do high school and then undergrad and graduate school and it's so locked for a lot of people it's like really locked into school and expectations of what it means to be an adult and to be successful or have a career. And so it's kind of like liberating to know that like you yeah, it drives you to be around other people that are sort of doing what you want to do and that can be really useful, but also, like, you don't have to follow the same path as, like, your neighbor.
2: I think it's nice to remember how important things are that happen very slowly, too. Mm -hmm. The idea that it could take 10 years to form an idea. We don't really talk about, we don't, well, I'm sure somebody does. <laughs> Just some, somebody out there has the language to talk about how we create ideas and that ideas change you, you know, like what, what is the process of developing ideas and thinking and what does it mean to, Know more than you did before. Those are things that are easy to take for granted but get kind of complicated if you start poking around at them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And same with like ideas about productivity and what that means. Because I was thinking about this when you were talking a minute ago because when I think about you, like you know each other kind of well now. Like, not BFFs, but you know, I know you. And I always feel like you're you're whenever I encounter you or like see you it seems like you're always making music. Like I think of you as being something someone that's really productive in a way. But it was really interesting cuz when I looked at your website and like how many how many pieces you have of like I think that there's sort of like this list of like five or six pieces and I really like that like those are pieces that are sort of like clumps of different like performances and like practices of working through an idea. And that it's sort of like, in a way, it challenged my expectation of like what productivity looks like. Because I think we have this idea that like, that you would have produced so many pieces and that you'd have this impressive list of Mm. 50 pieces. But it's really interesting, because like, I don't know, it just made me like rethink my sort of expectations about that idea.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's some things that I kind of trade in and out up there, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I just think like you just need to have like one idea, mm-hmm. you know, or like I'd, I'd I would feel really lucky if I could have like one really good idea at some point. But like everything that I make now, I can look at it and see how it came out of the same brain, like mm-hmm. I can know that now. And so I don't really like need, like the ones that feel like they were earlier in that process, mm-hmm. it, can, it can feel a little bit awkward to put them on display. Right. Um,
3: okay.
2: But like I think about reinventing the wheel, A lot, where I just feel like I'm always trying to do that, and then I got really tired of it. It's just too exhausting, and I kind of (laughs) want to be able to reuse some of the same material and like just sort of make music with that (laughs) material I created. So I feel like that's where I'm at now. And ever since I graduated, now I'm like actually want to record things for the first time, and I've been like make making a bunch of things like that will be different releases or different bigger pieces Um, but that was the thing that really bothered me for a long time of like why don't I ever record any of this or share it with people Mm -hmm. and I just think it's taken me a really really long time till it kind of find my own voice because, yeah, I always do a lot of music, but <laughs> I'm just doing like a whole bunch of different stuff, Yeah, and so it's taken a really long time for it to all start to live in the same world together, mm-hmm. and turns out you can do that just by putting a song at the end.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> then I can have like, my art you know, music and there. my folk music <laughs> 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 together, just put a song at the end. <laughs> I just recorded, uh, like, a a whole album of, like, piano songs, and they are like, straight-up, like, piano chords, lyrics (laughs) that rhyme, like, you know, um, songs. And then I also just made, like, an album of, like, harmonica music that's, like, all, like, messing around with harmonicas in different (laughs) ways. Are you recording all this stuff yourself? I've been recording it myself, yeah. And then there's, like, little, like, um, some different labels that i've been they'll like put out these different things but like um but now i'm like really glad that i can like make those two things back to back and that 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 like the balance is like in place to allow for that but yeah it's it's sort of crazy to think about uh what to do with that stuff because i I love writing songs but i don't want to like tour as like a songwriter (laughs) or like i tried to i like sort of tried to be in that world or ended up in that world and i just felt like i i wasn't in the right place yeah so like how do you but the kind of music you do kind of leads to the next music you do Mm -hmm. so it's sort it's sort of hard to like do a whole bunch of different things all Simultaneously, because to some extent they just don't help each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I feel like... I'm starting to feel like I can just do those different things now, and I'm finally learning how to like f- finish out projects mm-hmm. and like bring them to that level of completion where I can just get them out of my head. <laughs> and... Um, but yeah what was oh because you were talking about like how many pieces are on the site Mm -hmm. but yeah it's true it's like um it's really hard and there's not like a ton of pieces that i've made where i've really felt like were successful you know Mm -hmm. they've all been like kind of on their way to something and i think a lot about how it's like embarrassing you know it's an embarrassing thing that that we have to like perform our music when it's not done or we feel like it's not right and we Mm -hmm. it might be five years before you know like what that thing is that Mm -hmm. needed to change but like once you know once you figure that thing out like then we forget like how amazing it was that we like spent five years (laughs) we like undervalue like the knowledge that Mm -hmm we've gained but like it's all just like rewriting the same piece over and over again for decades and that's like what each of us sounds like you know like we just sound like this one piece that's seen (laughs) through all these different angles and different perspectives
0: yeah that is that's an interesting way of because i kind of i've thought about what i'm trying to do in a similar way that you know you talked about having a song at the end of everything <laughs> as like a formal marker. And yeah. I know that I keep, I'm very drawn to this form of having just decay the whole time, or mm. just, you know, having, you know, starting at the, at exactly the climax and then having things kind of either slow down or just get mm. quieter or less dense and just kind of decay into nothing. Um, and it's like, it's like six or seven years where like everything, <laughs> It seems like everything is that exact form, and it's like, I, you know, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to do the same thing all the time, and it just, I don't know what it is about this kind of, these gestures that are, kind of, can carry through.
2: Yeah, I like those things. Like, it's, it, are we supposed to resist them? Or are we supposed to indulge them? <laughs>